and we're back hi everyone it's vanessa i hope you have all been keeping well finding new hobbies and just keeping up with your mental health the lockdown has been nothing but horrors for everybody and the least we can do is check up on ourselves meditate and just keep it moving so today i will be speaking on bisexuality um this is all for Pride Month. I am doing a Pride Month special on bisexuality today. And just for today, because it is a very, very interesting topic that most people don't want to speak about. Bisexuality. You know, people just like saying people who are bisexual are confused or it is a phase because they will inherently just end up with one gender. So let's get into this. It's going to be very short because um, I don't have much to speak on except for the things I have experienced, I have seen firsthand, and I have watched or heard about. So first things first, we know that a lot of people, and as much as you guys don't want to talk about this, I will bring it up. Bisexuals in the LGBTQ plus community are usually seen as rather um, they are shunned or they are seen as just being problematic to the community because they don't know where they fall. So thus going back to bisexuality being a phase because you inherently end up with one gender. If you are a bisexual man, you will end up with either another man which might render you gay or you will end up with a woman which might render you heterosexual so here are my few contentions bisexual women are most likely to be fetishized thank you fetishized because for women sleeping together or walking together, holding hands, kissing, that is an arousal for most people. It's like, oh my God, look at those two babes. You know, it's an arousal factor. But if men did the same thing, most people just go, oh my God, no. Why are two men kissing? Oh my God, no, no. So that fetish factors removed from um, two women in a relationship and it is fine you know it is fine because at that point remember I'm not trying to confuse you guys talking about being lesbian or queer or anything I am talking about bisexual women in a relationship okay so it will be fetishized. It will look amazing for people outside. And then when it comes to two bisexual men who are together, it will be, oh my gosh, they are gay. What the hell is this? You know, why are they sleeping in the same bed? Oh my God, they are touching. Oh my God. Which, of course, is a huge double standard seeing that they both... Are bisexual all right so the reason I'm talking about this topic in particular is because 
I was watching Insecure, plus minus three years ago. I watch it every year, by the way. And Molly, who happens to be Issa's best friend, was dating some guy. I forgot his name. And her and this guy were having a great time. They were getting to know each other. You know, they were having amazing sex, everything. You know, he, he, he was really top tier. He was an amazing guy. And then they started playing a game where they started mentioning everything that happened in the, their past. You know, like uh, Molly apparently had sex with her teacher. And when the guy mentioned that he had sex with a guy, Molly felt some type of way. So coming down to my question, is there a problem when... Okay, here's my double standard. Let me let me rephrase this. Is there a problem when a bisexual man dates a um, let's just say a heterosexual woman? What is the problem there? Now I go down to Molly again. Molly then starts judging that this man has been with another man. You know he has had it. You know the the, the normal stereotypes of men being with men oh my god he got it in his butt oh my we should stop that by the way but my contention now is how molly reacted to this guy who is now heterosexual whom has had relations with men in the past he is heavily judged versus a woman having sexual relations with a woman in the past and is not ridiculed for that so women will sleep in the same bed together cousins friends and nobody will have any ill thoughts about that but when men sleep together in the same bed I am so sorry. <laughs> my mom just barged into my room, so I had to stop the recording. But nonetheless, I think everybody understands what my argument is. Do we now continue to call the bisexual um, community phase-ridden people? Are they going through a phase of the wow my mom <laughs> she is so loud <laughs> of they just going through it you know and they are going to end up with just one gender regardless and why is this such a heavy topic within the lgbtq plus community and by no means am I trying to cause fights. I'm trying to have these topics to be spoken about because nothing is perfect and we need to understand that. Nothing is perfect, but we need these conversations to expose these imperfections so we can get them right. So we can fix where it is unlevel. So you guys can head on to my DMs and let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation about this and I did say these are my opinions these are not scientifically proven but it is a fact that 
the bisexual community is unfortunately looked down on by the other um, genders within the LGBTQ plus community. So let's have this talk. Let's talk about it and try to inform each other and educate each other where we lack. I am so happy that I'm back and we are going to be having so much fun. So many topics I have. And I just cannot wait to have you guys actually interact with me through your voice notes and everything else. So come on, guys. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And okay, I think I'm going to cut it here. So I'm just going to cut this here. You guys can VN me. I can do a follow up um, episode on this and we can just have more fun and learning experiences from each other. All right, guys, keep well. Don't let the lockdown keep you under the sun. Peace, love and coconut butter. Hi, family. So in light of the recent gender-based violence reportings uh, during the lockdown in South Africa and around the world, I've decided to make a gender-based violence segment where I will be covering um, the psyche of the man and just further explaining how conditioning has a residual effect. And this is a disclaimer by no means do I or by no means am I saying that gender-based violence or men abusing women is okay. I am not saying that. I am just covering the psyche of what is happening with men's thinking and I can also cover how women's thinking is also influenced. But I will do that in the next segment. Disclaimer, I am not condoning any violence. I am just covering the psyche. All right. So gender is not a stagnant term or a stagnant way of being. Gender is changing all the time. Um, it is, you can't be, um, gender basically is not like your sex, you know, you, you are born with specific genitals and those then make you a male or female when you're born. But with gender, it is more expressive. You can be anything, whomever you want, and you can use any pronouns you want when it comes to gender, regardless of how you look outside. So... I'm going to give you the uh, gender ABCs. So we have agender, uh, bigender, cisgender, intersex, gender fluid, uh, fluidity, queer, transgender, transsexual, uh, male to female, and many, many more. So I'm just bringing these up because gender is so um, fluid that you yourself right now who's listening, you can just be any gender you want to be because this is how the society will view you. This is a societal role that you have decided you can take part in and can play that particular role. As you know, in society, we all have our roles. You know, we have 
the us the youth <laughs> since it is youth month us the youth are usually uh deemed as too loud rowdy rebels we talk against a lot of things which is true but it does not mean we're stupid and that's where i think we should draw the line and like just like that we have a role in society to expose lies you know and to uh expose our leaders and kind of test them make sure they are doing what they are promising uh to do and you have mothers who have a role to play in the society and being mothers they can be mothers to all of us and we just all have different roles in society which are not hegemonic they were created they were put there so that we all knew our places and this is what i will be talking about in terms of gender based violence uh and just subheading the male psyche okay i'm not saying gender based violence only happens to women it does happen to men as well and i will give an example of uh, a tv show that most of us really love 90 day fiance where we all watched anfisa physically abuse george and we all said nothing and i noticed how the american black twitter would just go oh my god anfisa beating him up he's a dummy he's letting her and when somebody said he's letting her i just thought to myself so you want him to retaliate and then the roles will be reversed because now they'll be calling george an abuser when she was the one who was abusing george but that is not today's topic i just wanted to shed light on that so let us get started ah <sighs> so when it comes to the male psyche we look at what society has put into place and reminder we are the society okay because we keep these norms going we they started in the beginning of time but we keep fueling them and allowing them to take a uh, place in our society and our spaces so why most male psyches um are identified with masculinity so this is the number one main problem that comes with the male psyche and having women objectified and feeling that they have ownership over women so i'm going to just touch on a lot of history and bringing it back to our present so society has created privilege for men which is undeniably there males have privilege whether you're black white indian you know what males have privilege and it's something you can't run away from you have privilege as a man okay so males have privilege due to their you know role in society so in western culture males were the ones who came back home to um sit on the couch drink tea whiskey while watching soccer while the wife was home all day taking care of the children and that was seen as an easy job but a lot of people will know that raising children is not an easy job taking care of the house is not an easy job it is not a mundane 
oh, well, I was sitting and I saw dust, so I started to clean that up. No, it is a lot of work. So males have privilege. And when their privilege is limited or when somebody says no to something they are used to getting, they have their masculine trait bruised okay so once that is bruised they feel like they need to now assert force so that you can give them what they want now i'm going to also go back to media media is such a huge platform that allows for kids in general to uh, imitate things that happen on tv so i grew up watching um WWE Raw and Smackdown and whatever and luckily I did not have a younger sibling because I know I would have tried all those things even though they said do not try at home I would have tried them as a child I wanted to imitate all the things they were doing okay so the media plays a huge role and all these movies where you have the bad guy who is selling the drugs making the money and uh, killing women or hurting his women and still getting more women and having the society allow men to get away with having multiple partners and women just being okay with that is also quite a huge problem okay so let's say a guy buys you a drink at a club which you think is just a kind gesture as you have your own drink and then later on he hits you because you don't want to have sex with him and you don't want to leave with him and later on raping you so this um i read in my first year of anthropology where these women were actually using their bodies to um make ends meet you know they have no jobs no one's trying to hire them but the problem was then when the men got violent or when the men spiked their drinks and raped the women because they thought they had power over the women and no woman will outsmart the man. That is the psyche of it all. And secondly, violence allows men to establish a place of belonging. So I'm going to give an example that I feel most people will resonate with um gang gang being in a gang okay so i am going to use the colored community so we know they have a lot of gang affiliation in the western cape okay um so their gang affiliation comes from conditioning which occurred where the colored community was slightly better off than the black community during apartheid. Fine. That's a fact. Okay. That is a fact. Once roles reversed now, post-1994, now the colored community is actually marginalized more than the black community and the black community is allowed to strive now because they were the most hurt during apartheid right so you find that colored men 
And also, I'm going to bring out the triple BEE. So triple BEE first considers and not even affirmative action rather. So triple BEE and affirmative action uh, gives mandate that you should either um, consider the black female first. And I say female, this is generic, okay, because it is what the law uses. Remember, our laws are still behind. We use Western laws that are just black and white. So you you consider the black female okay the black male the colored female and then the colored um, male so as you can see the colored male is marginalized more than the female colored so what they do is that now they need to find areas where they can belong okay so they become gang affiliated they belong in these groups where they feel like okay i'm a man now because violence is exuded they can have power over anybody's lives you know they bring money home whether it's from drugs or whatever it doesn't matter it's money and at home they are seen as heroes regardless of all the violence they were using behind closed doors so because they are marginalized from the economy, uh, it has become a conditioning of theirs that they have been labeled the most uh, violent uh, group in South Africa. I don't think it's true. I think all groups are quite violent. But since I have explained gang affiliation, I will now go to another reading that I did uh, in my second year of anthropology where uh, Mozambican men spoke on how they were unemployed and the ones who were unemployed were actually physically abusing their girlfriends while their girlfriends went to work and whatsoever. But then there, w there are a group of other Mozambican men who started speaking out on this like, why should we hit women? When I have a penis. For real guys. I'm not making this up. So these, the, this group of Mozambican men. Decided no man. I will advance my sex. I will make sure that my girlfriend. My wife gets the best sex from me. So she doesn't leave me. She doesn't step out of our relationship. She doesn't have to do. She, she can go work. I'm unemployed. All I can offer her is the best sex. So that to me then told me that, so this conditioning can be undone. We just need to find smarter ways of dealing with toxic masculinity. Because these men said, you know what? I have a penis. I, I sit all day trying to make sure that I will please my woman. Even if it's with a different stroke or whatever, I will make sure that I please my woman and keep her here using sex rather than violence. See right there, that is, in, I'm not going to say innovative thinking, I almost said that, but it is thinking out of the box rather than going for, oh wow. We need to find more ways that can work for us. Um, we are a new age generation, 
things are moving forward instead of backwards. But we should start from the past to really unwind and detangle all the mistakes that everyone did in the past. But when I read this, I was, I was mind blown because I thought, oh, wow. So there are men who are saying there is a huge problem that comes with um, them being men. And there's femicide, there's women abuse, there's just all these things. And they found a loophole. Why can't we? All right. So it is very, very important for us to also always mention the past because conditioning has a residual effect it's an ongoing effect that will never stop and it is given off from generation to generation to generation to generation so one last fact about the past is um how slaves were made uh you guys need to read willie lynch's uh how to make a slave you will understand what i mean by means of conditioning um where a black man and i'm i'm speaking for all slavery as well as colonization in africa that came with slavery the the african man was dehumanized stripped of his dignity in front of his family and in order to compete on any level with the white man so that the black women can take him seriously now for sexual advances and all of that, he had to exude violence because masculinity meant violence. Remember, even slave masters were the ones who gave out the beating and the women would just be the ones behind giving the go-ahead, saying, beat her, beat her, kill her, kill him, he touched me, etc, etc. Okay, so I feel that for gender-based violence, we need to take stern action. I am not talking down on marches. I am not talking down on any other thing that you got, things that you guys have planned, but we need to take real action rather than making a noise and saying stop gender-based violence how about we stop gender-based violence how about when you hear your neighbor crying and when you hear you when you see your friend about to hit his girlfriend you actually step in instead of saying it's none of my business how about we have these conversations and I'm talking to the men now. How about we have these conversations at Bryce after a soccer game, yeah, Arsenal, and have these conversations where we are all talking about gender-based violence and like, yo, bro, you know, this is happening. We have our own brothers doing the same damn thing. And I think that there is a need to, uh, for rather understanding that there are a lot of things that are at stake here especially the psyche women will stay because there is learned helplessness you guys need to learn about these things learned helplessness and stockholm syndrome women are most likely to stay because they do try to leave they try to leave once twice three times they tell everyone i'm being abused and then somebody comes back to them and says no, honey, you just have to hold on. It was a mistake. 
And then it happens the second time. And she comes back and says, look here, this person hit me again. And then they say, ah, then go to the police. Then the police say, uh, well, you know, it's, it's yours business. We kind of can't do anything about that. And that's, that's another problem. We have the most useless police. The most useless police. So how about when we take these kind of actions? And now I'm talking to the youth because I know that we have louder voices. We have, yeah, well, our voices are louder, but are they being heard? We need to be heard. We need to be heard because there are so many ideas we have that can be implemented, that can actually work. The problem with South Africa is that we have great ideas, but implementation is whack. I say that when police shouldn't even be training for, what is it, two weeks, three weeks? How are you training a police officer who will be somebody who protects the the, uh, community for two, three weeks? Or is it a month or two months or three months? That is not sustainable what are they learning are they learning about the psyche are they learning about what women go through i am a criminology student and i have learned a lot about what police lack in they have these facilities which are kind of like your law and order special victims unit you know Uh, but they don't use them They don't use them. They either use them as break time facilities where they drink their tea, you know? They don't use them. And this is where they now perpetuate the violence and they allow it to happen. And women are the biggest enemies also because you can get to a police station and report as a woman to a woman and say, Mama, I just got raped. And she'll look at what you are wearing. And she'll say, well, you got raped because of that skirt. See, that is the problem. We have uh, secondary victimization. And that's why people don't report their abuse. They don't report their abuse because of secondary victimization. Either the police will victimize them, their lawyers, everyone, the nurses, their families, everyone will just victimize them like why didn't you leave him why didn't you leave him in the beginning well i tried but you guys keep pushing me back there i am dependent on him and it's abuse is a very psychological thing so please do check out learned helplessness theory as well as um stockholm syndrome you will find out a lot about those two because they are the they are mostly the only reasons why women keep staying in abusive relationships and i'm not just saying it's for women or it applies only to women but because we are talking of the most vulnerable group the group that isn't as masculine they are most likely to have these um these two psychological effects and conditioning that comes from earlier days which i don't want to make a center of this topic 
but I hope you guys have heard me. We need to come up with more ways that actually work. Let us stop marching and expecting Pegitele uh, to take us seriously. Maybe for once, let's march to the police station. Let's stand by the police station and say, you know what? If somebody is not going to listen to me, the police will. Maybe if we get to the police station and we talk to the police, make our noise there, maybe someone will listen. I don't know. But I, for one, am not advocating for marching. I am advocating for real action. Action such as raising your children properly. Stop this tribalistic stuff where you're like no a boy must go to initiation school so he can become a man or this and that let's stop that let's stop that stop telling girls to beg a stop it that is conditioning from parents comes from far otherwise guys please give me your input on gender-based violence and what you guys really think we can do. And I mean something that can actually give us an effect, not posters that say, when she's angry, walk away. No, 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 no. Those things don't work. Those things don't work. Those things don't work. No one should tell a man to walk away. No one should. We need to come up with things that actually work. Things that will be tried at least. And if they don't work, they don't work. Alright guys, I will have to love and leave you guys. I hope you are all safe. Um, please, 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 if you are in an abusive relationship, just get to reading, you know. Understand these things because they are real. And we will not judge you when you come back and... You tell us that you're being abused and we will never judge you. We will never judge you because we learn about these things. And we are meant to have police that actually take in the psyche and learn about it. But we don't. It is up to us to educate each other. If you are in the nursing industry, if you are about to become a police and you hear these things, maybe you can be the voice of change. Maybe you can be the one who says, you know what, maybe let's start this memorandum of one, two, three, where we write down that, hey, police must have one, two, three going on at these training camps. I hope you guys have learned something. If there is something that has offended you, I did mention a disclaimer in the beginning. And I hope we have a meaningful talk about this. And I don't want anybody being rude about what I have said and say things like it is stupid because it is not. Having these kind of conversations help. Learned helplessness theory as well as Stockholm syndrome are real things. They are not stupid there's no easy way of just walking out anyway guys i hope you all stay safe peace love and coconut oil hey guys we're back at it so today we are speaking sex with relatives this is a very hot topic i feel a lot of people just 
are going to dismiss this immediately on some, that is wrong, that is wrong. And it's fine. You have the right to your own opinion. You have the right to think otherwise. But like I said with my previous podcast, this is also going to be short because it covers uh, slightly... Okay, a lot of my opinions and just other stories that I've read about in the past and have learned about uh, in criminology. So let's get to it. Sex with relatives. So I know this is the most swept another carpet topic. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to mention it. And mostly in the black community, if something like this happens, it is literally, literally swept under the carpet and nobody will speak about it ever again. Ever again. Whether it's an uncle raping a child or cousins having sex, no one will ever want to talk about it ever again. It will be swept under the carpet and never again spoken about. But it is imperative we have these topics to see how these can can play out and how we can just educate each other. So cousins are mostly, and I, I, I speak like this from a South African perspective and a black South African um, point of view. Now cousins are usually the ones who are always just having these dramatic stuff going on. You know, they may be having sex, they may be having a behind-the-scene relationships. We know we've had cousins crush on us. But those are just crushes. You know, we never actually took them anywhere because we grew up and we learned, oh, that's my cousin. So I can't really do anything with my cousin. But that's where you're wrong. <laughs> that is where you're wrong. So uh, most of you will know I am a law student. So I did study uh, a lot of things about marriage. And you can actually marry your cousin uh, from the third degree. So you can't marry your uncle. You can't marry your brother. Uh, you can't marry your aunt. You can't. But you can marry your cousin. Okay. It sounds pretty weird, right? That you can actually marry your cousin. It, it, it did blow my mind away. But it is the law. It is fine to marry your cousin. But here's my problem all right yes you may have feelings for your cousin you may marry your cousin but the problem will be the inbreeding okay the inbreeding where now you will be making babies reproducing offspring and expecting your offspring to be fine that is my problem so i just want to differentiate between incest and uh, inbreeding these are separate concepts they are not the same thing incest happens when it is family members uh, it's sexual closeness of family members so sexual intercourse however way you want to put it and inbreeding is when you have closely related animals people whom will now which whom will now inbreed and uh, because they have a close alignment of ancestry they inbreed so kind of like having two dogs that are from that have 
similar in ancestry uh inbreed and create another dog you know that is what inbreeding is and incest has a lot to do with the sexual abuse and just the horrible horror horrible stuff that goes behind um families selling kids to their uncles and whatnot so that will not be today's topic as it is a whole nother talk okay and i want to focus solely on what happens when cousins um inbreed so i will just give a life science little little explanation so we know as humans we carry dominant and recessive genes right so my mom has freckles my dad doesn't have freckles so since my mom has freckles and i don't have freckles actually i i do but they're not a lot as a side note but my sister and i don't have freckles like my mom has but we are both carrying a recessive gene of freckles so either my sister or me could have a child with freckles or it could go generations down the line and then we have that first person 50 years 60 80 90 100 200 years later show the recessive gene so that is a reality that's what happens and that is the simplest way of explaining it so a dominant gene would likely be what is expressive right now in your phenotype so how you look right now and what you see so if you have a feature which i guess from my mom's side of the family i could say my eyes are a dominant gene you know i took from my mom's family and from my dad could be the nose you know i took that from my dad's um dominant gene so this is how genes play a huge role in us looking a specific way so uh that's what we call the phenotype how you look from outside okay so when you have cousins who are actually sexually um reproducing and they end up making a child and both these cousins are carrying recessive genes then that child is most likely to have the recessive trait expressed whether it's good or it's bad it is most likely to be expressed so let's say there is a recessive gene of um having a specific brow area okay so your brow area is either rigid or not rigid so both these cousins are carrying the recessive gene of having a rigid or not rigid um brow area the brow area of their offspring will now be a recessive gene that will be expressed good or bad 
Now let's get into one of the examples that I did in my second year of criminology. So we covered the Hasbergs, right? The Hasbergs are a family that started off with um, Philip marrying some cute lady. I forgot her name, guys. It's fine. I did my research. I just did not write her name down. I forgot to write her name down. So the two married each other and the family carried on to marry within the family for over 200 years. Can you imagine? For over 200 years, there has been inbreeding, in marriage, in everything. They did this so that they could not lose either their beauty, they could not use the th lose the throne. As you know, uh, I think you guys have seen this through uh, the Duchess and Duke of Sussex. Sussex. There we go, Sussex. So what happened with the Duchess and Duke is that they, okay, the lady, the Duchess, is an American, right? And she is not from or part of the family. So she's from outside. Right. So what the Hasbergs did is that they decided not to get anybody from the outside and stay within the family. So this created issues. Okay. A lot of issues. So the last ever Hasberg is Charles II. Charles II was deemed to be the ugliest husband, even by his own family. Charles would drool. He had an oversized tongue. He was impotent. Um, he couldn't walk until he was four years old. He couldn't eat. He couldn't speak because of his jaw. So this became a family thing. It started showing from an aunt before him, the jaw becoming um, a bit longer. Not even a bit longer. It became very long. So this is known as mandibular prognathesis. Okay, prognathesis. So this is where like the jaw becomes so long that everything is just not okay. Your tongue is either too big. Your lips are either not touching. So you drool too much. And it happened that Charles became crazy at the end. Charles became crazy at the end. Uh, I don't like using the word crazy because of its stigmas. But we will apply crazy as was applied back in the day so Charles became crazy he even asked for his ancestors to be dug out so that he could have lunch or dinner with his ancestors pretty crazy story but it is the truth uh, in breeding for over 200 years can cause a lot of chaotic um, or rather genetic catastrophe 
So if you are going to be having sex with your cousin and you get a child from it, you guys do need to think four, five, six, eight to ten times before having any sexual relations with your family. This is not a joke because these things are true. Recessive genes will express themselves, okay? And these aren't just tiny, tiny details. There are bigger things that could happen. You know, you could have um, a child born blind because of inbreeding. You can have a child born mute because of inbreeding or deaf because of inbreeding. Maybe there's um, a long family history of uh, hearing disorders. So please be wise. And I feel like it is important to have these conversations. You know, the law says you may get married to your cousin, but not your brother or your mother or your grandmother or your sister or your aunt. But by the mere fact of the law saying, you know what, it is fine, you can get married to your cousin, is a bit of a problem when you look at the genetic side of everything. All right, guys, I hope we can interact on this. Tell me what you guys think about this. Uh, Give me more of your opinions and what you guys have done with your cousins. I would love to know that. Because I know some of y'all naughty, naughty. (laughs) No judgment passed. And let's just have this conversation carry on. Let's inform each other, educate each other. So I'm going to close this up. I'll be expecting your voice notes as well as your interactions in my DMs. Peace, love and coconut oil. What's up fam? I'm back. What up, what up? So today, we are getting into it. So today we are talking about relationships and religion. Together, what do they make? (laughs) I would say catastrophe, but let us get down to it. This might be a very, very short podcast. But nonetheless, I hope we learn something. I hope we have opinions at the end of the day. And I hope we can just speak about this and not catch feelings. Um, So disclaimer, I will be talking about religion in a good and bad way. So please, please, please do not be catching feelings. We are um, intellects and intellects have meaningful conversations where we can learn. And I guess sometimes agree to disagree about a specific topic. And I feel like this one won't be an agree to disagree topic because I am a stern believer in um, trusting that somebody has their own journey and their life process is their life process and not forcing somebody else to convert to your religion because you want things to be better. But let us get into it. So, we all know that millennia and Gen Z relationships are often coupled with ghosting, leaving each other on red, 
and other good stuff or not but when two or more people get into a relationship it can be for different reasons whether it is because you are infatuated by the person you know just for sex love or even getting cute pictures it doesn't matter you are in the relationship now for whatever reason it may be so secondly to cover religion religion is a way of life okay religion is not just oh my god what religion are you in no when you say somebody is religious it may mean absolutely anything you know i'm a religious bother <laughs> i hate bath all the time you understand so there is a need to differentiate those terms and to understand where they apply and now to get into the actual religious groups uh we have a lot covering earth we have a lot of religious groups and the common thread is to preach peace and love this is quite ironic because the people practicing the religion do not always see the meaning of peace or love unless it is that of their own people in their own religion so if i'm not making sense then this what i'm about to say next this is the one so how do two people of different religions come into a relationship and try to make it work it is very very tough because when you have people of different religions either one doesn't believe in religion is not religious does not ascribe to religion and the other is i don't want to say extremist but is an extremist um what happens you know there will be a clash obviously because one wants to either have their religion be placed on a pedestal and the others must not be there which is very much wrong but now i want to get into something else that got me thinking about this topic which was 90 day fiance i watched um a, a russian lady i forgot her name and an american man i think his name was peter i don't quite remember i think his name was peter and he was or is atheist and the lady is christian so she was forcing him to do you know the normal christian stuff that she does you know go to church pray uh not hold hands not kiss because jesus was watching and he respected those things but when he told her again that he isn't a religious person at all she started acting funny she literally started crying throwing tantrums and i could see by that that she wasn't either mentally mature or even physically ready to be with someone 
who has opposing views. Because once you start growing up and start having these kind of conversations, you realize that it doesn't matter if you're going into the relationship for the right reasons. It will not matter whether you are agnostic, atheist, illuminati, satanist, I don't know. Um, But that had me thinking now, if these two had a child, or just in general, when two people who are just religiously not, um, let me let me just rephrase that. If two people who have who do not have the same religious beliefs, then have a child, what will happen to the child? Let's say they got into the marriage union with the same mind, understanding each other, you know, believing in this relationship, like, no, it's fine. What happens then when the Christian wants to baptize the child? Does this now bring about the whole idea of compromising? But then now how do you raise a child who has split beliefs that are completely opposite These are questions I actually am posing to you and that's why I said this was going to be a very, very short podcast because I want to hear what you guys actually have to say. What have you guys ever had this kind of experience? Have you ever had somebody tell you, oh my God, you can't pray like that next to me? Or, oh my God, you praise your ancestors? I mean, you know, or just have people talk badly about your religion or your beliefs. And how do you then get into a relationship where you genuinely love somebody? And I said love, not sex, not getting cute pictures, but just genuinely want to be with somebody. But you guys have polar opposite ideas of life I would advise that people educate themselves and have these conversations beforehand especially before bringing a child into the mix and do not expect people to convert to your religion because you want them to prove their love for you especially men whom I feel that most when most women marry into, and I'm going to put this in the African context, when women get married to men, the women move over to the men's church, the men's religious group. She can't even use her own clan names. Mokpahwa. But how when now we've joined ancestors, And why do you expect now the woman to leave the church she grew up in to go to your church? So these are the questions I'm posing to you guys. Let's have these conversations. You guys can DM me. You guys can send voice notes. Do whatever you really, really want. Comment down. Do whatever makes you feel happy. I am all ears and ready to talk about having different religious perspectives and getting into a relationship. Peace, love, and coconut oil.